0: Hello, and welcome to the Vineyard Bowling Green podcast, found exclusively on our Vineyard Bowling Green app. We hope you enjoy this week's message and look forward to seeing you this Sunday. Jesus, we love you. All right. But it's important to realize that we have to take inventory of the things we devote our time to. We really do uh, because we can easily put so much time and effort stuff that is not building us in the direction that we, we, we could be or should be going. And we have to take inventory of the way we spend our time and utilize the time that we have. It oftentimes shows us our priorities, right? If we do not take inventory, we don't realize the priorities that we have in our life are really the priorities that we have. And it can even show us a little bit of about our hearts. It can expose what's really important to us. So what does that mean to be devoted to something, right? What does that mean to be devoted to something? It means to be committed to something, to invest time, to invest emotion, and that begins to really influence you whether you intentionally give it permission to or not. That influences who you are. If anything, it robs away time and energy and emotion spent into something else that could be building you in a direction that you should be going. So what are the things that we are devoted to? It's a lot of what we talked about last week. And essentially, what are you asking is what are some of the things that you are worshiping? That's what we're saying. What are some of the things that you are worshiping? And it's easy to see what is important to us by taking inventory of how and when we spend our time, where we and how we spend our money, our thoughts, our conversations, These things really play a significant role in our worship. They play a role in the type of neighbor we choose to be, the type of parent we choose to be, the type of employee and student we choose to be. Now, I'm going to ask a question that is typically reserved for like children's pastors and youth pastors. I spent a little bit of time being a youth pastor, and this is a question and kind of a a theme often used in youth ministry and children's ministry, but I think it's absolutely necessary to use as adults as well. And the question is, have you ever had a friend whose bad behavior rubbed off on you? Have you ever had a friend whose bad behavior rubbed off on you, Jasmine? Have you ever had a friend whose bad behavior rubbed off on you? You know, when I think about that question, there are a couple of guys that I think about that I used to hang out with when I was around 13 13 and 14, I used to run around with them middle school and high school um, early on. Uh, these two guys, and uh, they were a couple years older than me, but we were all pretty tight. And f- fortunately, I started to realize over time, how their behavior influenced me in a really bad way. I started to, to see that, right? I started to uh, speak disrespectfully to my elders, say inappropriate things and inappropriate jokes. I was a bully. Um, just all sorts of little basic middle school, high school things that you do to make yourself think you're important and cool, right? But I really dove hard into that. And the issue was worse than, than, than just some of the things that I was doing. It was much deeper. The issue is that I started to believe that I was right. No one could talk me out of anything I was doing because I was right. I knew more than my parents. I knew more than my coaches. I knew more than my teachers the youth pastor, the leaders in my life, and I didn't understand that I was really operating out of this sense of insecurity and I was just looking to be independent and find a group of people that would accept me of similar interest, and we had all build each other up to make ourselves feel really cool. I didn't understand that it was deeper than just wanting to be kind of like the cool kid at school. I just remember one day though, I was in worship and I was playing this song in the youth band and I started to think about the lyrics. And if you know me, lyrics usually come after the third or fourth time I get into a song. Like I have to like the music first. And I still remember playing this new song and thinking about it. And, um, and so I started to think about the lyrics. And it was just plain and simple, Lord, search my heart and make it new. That was a lyric in the song. And I started to see over a few weeks... Yeah, these guys, these guys that we have a lot of the same goals, a lot of the same similarities, both love sports. We're kind of like very competitive and all that stuff. But maybe they're, they're going about it all the wrong way. Maybe my parents, my youth pastor, the leaders in my life, my teachers in my life, they started to notice something and maybe they were right. Maybe I was actually wrong. And it wasn't until I actually quit hanging out with them that I realized how much they had changed me. I didn't think I really changed that much. I just thought all of a sudden I figured stuff out that they didn't know, right? I became smarter than them. I became better than them. I started speaking with respect to my to my peers and folks again, realizing that I hadn't done that in a long time. Realizing until after the fact that I had this kind of encounter with the Lord, that I had been off this trajectory, off this little course, And I started to lose my poor attitude, started to lose this all-about-me mindset, this I-know-more-than-you mindset. And the reason why I'm sharing you this story from my youth is because it's also connected to us as adults today. It's absolutely connected to us as adults today. I grew up in a small town, but just like anyone else, you make friends and you build community based on common interests and common values. Okay? Okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. We are connected to those who we are like, for the most part, whether we bond through interests or values. And we build community, whether it's through a social network or, you know, this physical real network called life of folks that we, you know, we we gather with, right? You know, we've got church, we've got sports, we've got hunting, we've got cooking, we've got fishing, all these things that we gather around, right? And because of technology, we can build on our interests and our hobbies much more as well. And what I've observed from my own experience and from observing other folks as well is just like teenage Jonathan, the way I value a person or connect to a person or the way I identify influence in someone is whether or not we share similar interests or perhaps similar values. And it took me a long time to realize that. The way I valued a person and, and identified the, the significance of someone was whether we had similarities, we shared the same opinions on things, we enjoyed the same things. And there's really three things that I want us to talk about this morning that used to really influence me in how I worshiped, okay? And I used to immerse myself big time in three things, music, politics, and theology, okay? Those are the big three things, Okay, but we'll just call the first one culture because soccer was a big part of that too. And like soccer and sports and and music, all those things are really important to me. So I I immersed myself in culture and and, in politics and theology. And I kept up with all that stuff, but I used to be obsessed with it. I would read a lot. I would listen to talk radio every day. And I would find folks who shared similar values as me and found folks who would encourage my beliefs, Right? And I used to immerse myself in this stuff and I'd build my life around it. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because there was something that happened much deeper in me that was going on that I didn't realize at the time, much deeper. And all this will lead to how we worship, I promise. But I was taking all of these things that I liked, all these things that I valued, and was building a lifestyle that made me think I was right. And everyone else who didn't believe the same things as me was absolutely crazy and insane. I started to build an idol based on ideas and values. And over time, I realized that this really affected the way I worshiped. It absolutely affected the way I worship. You know, as transitioning from youth to adulthood, which I believe most of us have done in here, besides Bobby, um, different things stress you out, right? Different things stress you out. I remember going to You know, when I was a kid, I used to lay in bed and just dream about the future. Anybody else do that as a kid? I just dream about the future. See you, Julia. We love you. Sorry I offended you. Um, And I remember going to to bed just dreaming about the future, thinking about my job, thinking about what I was going to do when I get older, thinking about my future family and imagining where I'd be living and stuff, right? But I noticed something, and I'm fortunate that I began to notice it. I started to notice that I quit dreaming when I'd lay down at night. Instead, I would have these kind of like almost angrier thoughts, more frustrating thoughts. And I started to realize that I was forming Strong's opinions on other people. So instead of just sitting there as a kid, innocently dreaming about the future, I started solving the world's problems at night before I go to bed. Anybody else do that? Lay down, well, if this person would just change this, if this dude would just do this, if these group of people would just quit doing that and this and this, everything would be fine. All right, amen, go to sleep. All right? that's what we do. And I started to realize that, right? I started to realize that I was, I was forming strong opinions on other people, whether it was pretty simple, simple surface level stuff like, what type of music do you like? Oh, you like Creed? I'm better than you, All Right? Which is true. It's absolutely true. We agree with that. This is church. But there's truth here. Um, Just kidding. But I would form these opinions, right? Oh, you like this? Okay, I'm better than you. Oh, you value this? Okay, you're wrong. I'm right. I'm better than you. Okay? And so I started to understand like that. And then that also plays into deeper things, right? Other than just surface level stuff of, of like, oh, you, you like friends, I like Seinfeld, I'm better than you. It plays a deeper role into politics, plays a deeper role into theology, right? And over time, these interests and these values became my idols. They absolutely became my idols. The things I loved and wanted to share with the whole world, I wanted everyone to be on the same page as me so badly, right? I wanted my culture to be the same, Right? I wanted everybody to like the same music that I liked, to like the same sports that I liked, to have the same hobbies that I liked. I, I wanted that real bad. I wanted everybody to have the same political views as me. I wanted everybody to have the same theological views as me. And this became an idol for me to stand on. And standing on these idols is where I would worship. Standing on top of this, this was my foundation that I would begin to express my thoughts and my heart to the Lord. That's what I would be standing on. And I started to convince myself that I am right, and everyone else who doesn't have the same ideas, same interests, and similarities, well, it doesn't mean that they were simply different. It means that I legitimately think that they were wrong. Not just different, that they were wrong and I was right. And this isn't all bad in a lot of ways, right? I believe there is value in finding your tribe. I mean, Jasmine and I, we connected over music. I mean, there's nothing wrong with finding your tribe and finding people that you, you, you click with and the same things that are, that, that's not what we're getting at really. But that confidence I gained over understanding culture better than anyone, understanding theology better than any other pastor or any other church in the area, right? Better than politics, right? The confidence and fondness of those things really led to, I'm better than you, and you just haven't realized where the good stuff is yet, and a real attitude of arrogance started to build in my heart. And I wasn't, I learned right from middle school, I wasn't a bully about it, right? I wasn't a bully about it, but I just had these thoughts in my head and these thoughts in my heart. And it wasn't until one day I was, I was a uh, part of this little worship team that'd go around and play. Hold on. I was part of this worship team that would go around and play. And uh, we were in Louisville playing at this church in Louisville. And we were singing a song about the Lord's Prayer. And I was just playing bass, just back there hanging out. And I started to realize something, that there's a line in the song, and the music was building, and it was good, right? And there was this spontaneous moment of worship that busted out. And we started singing On Earth As It Is In Heaven and something else that went along with it. But I remember specifically singing the On Earth As It Is In Heaven part. And I still remember to think, and this is going to sound bad, but this is just... Complete transparency. I started to think, I cannot wait on earth as it is in heaven. And I remember singing that line and thinking that these folks that drive me crazy, these people that haven't figured it out yet, that I'm different than and that I'm better than. And we don't ever play it like that in our head, right? We never actually verbalize that and admit to that's what it is. But that's what was going on in my heart. I said, I cannot wait to be separated from them meaning heaven and earth, right? And these folks who are different than me and cause me so much anger and cause me so much frustration, they will no longer be a thorn in my side when heaven comes to earth and when I go to heaven. And that's where I started to worship from. So pretty serious stuff. And I was thinking heaven will be my relief from all these folks who are driving the world upside down. And I just cannot wait for heaven to come to earth cannot wait for all these people who are wrong to be standing there like just humble before themselves and me sitting there with arms wide open saying I told you so right we don't ever admit that that's what's going on but that's oftentimes what's going on and I was just angry and I was praying Lord change their heart Lord help them Lord they're wrong Lord they're wrong change them forgive them all these things change them but never Lord change me My worship went from, Lord, you are good, and Lord, you are good, and there becomes this point in our worship and prayer that we direct our needs and desires to the Lord, but we pray and sing what's on our heart, and we should, but what was on my heart was me, what was was on my heart was being shaped in me was not good, and it wasn't healthy at the time, and at the time, I thought it was very healthy. That's the the scariest part about this whole thing, but um, back to the, to the, to that evening in, the, in that service is I was worshiping and singing to God about how awesome heaven was going to be and how if heaven was going to come to earth, it was going to take everybody else who's wrong to change but me. It was going to take everybody getting on my team, right? And I surrounded myself with some people who thought the same thing too, so I wasn't just like alone. I was like, everybody's going to have to get on my terms, Everybody but there was something different about thinking that in particular this time in this service. And I was singing and the worship leader belted out a phrase and yelled over the chorus and said, I still remember this verbatim. He said, sing with all your heart. We're, we're still building, right? The music's playing, it's loud, it's going great. They're singing the chorus that we just kind of spontaneously went with. And he yells, sing with all your heart, sing with all your mind, Sing with all your souls. Worship for your neighbors who don't. Worship for your enemies who don't. And again, it was just spontaneous worship. And I immediately fell for it. And I started to do what the worship leader asked us to do. And I don't know how, but I started praying and worshiping and praying for my neighbors. And I started praying for my enemies these people that I was just, like, standing on top of, I'm now praying for. And you know when, uh, maybe, maybe like, I don't, I don't know what it was, what happened when it just snapped for me. Have you guys ever, like, lost something before? Like a pocket knife or, I don't know, like a particular coin or something you really liked and, or a pair of headphones or something? And you can just be, like, you'll, you'll search the house, right? You'll tear through it looking for that thing and you can't find it. Then all of a sudden you're, like, at Cracker Barrel with your grandma, and it just clicks. I know where it's at. It's, you know, it just comes in out of nowhere. It's like I know where the, I know where I left it. You know, you weren't thinking about it. It just clicks. Oh crap! I left it in that one thing under that one thing under that one thing for that reason that I would not forget that it's there. And then you forgot it was there, right? And that's kind of what happened to me here. I didn't realize for the longest time my worship had been formed and shaped from my own personal agenda until one day it just snapped. I can't explain it. It just snapped. What I wanted, yes, what I was worshiping was God and standing strong, but the foundation I was standing on was that the culture I thought was right, the politics that I thought was right, and the theology that I thought was right, and that's exactly what I was standing on to the point where everybody else was wrong, and there's nothing wrong with having confidence in what you believe and what you value and everything like that, but the problem was that became an idol for me. That became an idol for me. Rather than a foundation for me. It became an idol for me. And I went to this little room behind the stage at the service. And I asked my friend. I said, what do you think of worship? And he was like, yeah, it was pretty good. It was pretty cool. He was like, that one little thing we did was pretty cool. And I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah. It was cool. And so we started to have a conversation about what I started to feel during that worship service. And all of a sudden I was like, man, I'm starting to feel real conviction here. I didn't really know what to do. And so this was a big, large church campus. And so I just decided to go for a walk we had like an hour where somebody was going to speak. And so it's a big church. I was like, I'll get coffee on the other side. So I just went for a walk. And next thing I know, this friend of mine, um, he's walking back from getting coffee and he goes, bro, man, you look wrecked. What happened? You okay? I guess I was carrying this motion on the outside and I didn't realize it. And first off, I still remember telling him, he's like, man, you look terrible. You okay? And I was like, that's rude. He's like, no man, you good. And I was like, I still remember saying, at admitting, I was like, I think I've gotten it wrong. And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, I think I've gotten it wrong. And he was like, oh, man, that sucks. And he kind of just started walking off. And I was like, hey, man, would you, would you, don't go anywhere. Can you walk with me? Let's go get coffee. I'd love to chat with you about it because this is something I'm really feeling. And I felt like I did when I was a teenager. When I realized how stupid I had become being the bully, trying to be the cool kid, Right, I realized that what I had been doing was really wrong in a lot of ways. And then, in that moment, chatting with my friend Brian, just the arrogance I had in my heart was being exposed, and the frustration I had in my heart was being exposed. And I'm so thankful for this moment, but it made me realize that that I had been serving my culture, serving my ideas, my theology, and my politics. My way of life over everything else, and then just tying God at the end of it. And taking all that and fitting it into a version of God that I could find and I could justify. And it was all coming back to the fact that I was surrounding my worship, my prayers, my thinking with Lord, take this. Take what I have, Lord. Lord, you want it. Lord, what I have to bring to the table, it's awesome. I've got all the good ideas. I've got the good culture. I've got the good stuff, right? I've got the good views on everything. I Take all this stuff, take this, and just do what you want with it to fix other people. That was my worship for a long time. That was the place of worship. And I was drawing near to the Lord and getting close to the Lord so I would recognize that he's getting close to me And in that exchange, it made me feel valuable for what I believed in. It justified what I believed in. Not really realizing that the Lord is going to be with you no matter what. And it comes out like, like it never comes out in such an arrogant way that it it seems like I'm explaining. I was being deceived the whole time. I didn't see this at all in my life. Okay? And I still remember somebody came up to me one time in another Worship service. And he he started praying over me, and it was, things used to get wild at some of these worship things, and I was just playing up there, playing bass, and some guy just starts praying over me, and didn't know who he was, and he starts talking about pride and all these things, but in such a loving way, and he was talking real fast. I was just playing, I was just, like, listening to it, and I was like, okay, well, that missed. It's like, you missed that one. Again, he was talking a lot about pride, right? And... I wasn't humble enough to see it, so I didn't even see it. I was just like, okay, cool. Thanks, man. And I remember in this moment even going back to that guy and being like, that gummit, this has been on me for a long time. I've been dealing with this for a long time. And it never comes out like that. And I would have never seen it in that way, but I still remember feeling shaky at the end of this little worship service and representing in finding this like, this representation of this like, loose foundation that I'd been standing on for such a long time. Rather than allowing my time with Jesus to shape me into something more than just culture, something more than just politics, something more than just the right theology, I was not letting go of what I thought was so valuable, much like we do with an idol. Much like we do with an idol. And I remember afterwards feeling like, Okay, Lord, I'm going to deal with this. And I was kind of on the right path, but I didn't have any of the answers. I didn't have the answers. That was the issue. I knew I was on this right path, but I didn't have the answers. And the Lord exposed this stuff, and it was a process, but I just... Just like in, in middle school, I had to quit hanging out with a few folks. I had to actually separate myself with a few people who were just like so gung-ho on what they were thinking and on their values and all this stuff that I actually had to pull away from them a little bit because I had to be very practical for a season in my life because I needed to be around people who were going to lift me up in kind of this new direction that I was going and, and because I needed answers, right? And I had a friend who was really helpful when I talked to him about how I was wrong and how you know, I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't know what to do about it. And, um, you know, there was so much division in my heart and frustration in my heart from all the way back to not understanding so many divisions around, you know, church and, and denominations and everything. And it's just like, you know, I, I just didn't understand all the division that was going on. And that's the way I saw it. it is just like the strict division. And so we decided to do something about it. And we started a Bible study at his house and it grew pretty big. And it was a Bible study. Pretty much for everyone. It's actually where Jasmine and I kind of like started to hang out. Um, We had the best time worshiping, the best time with discussions, the best ministry time. It was filled with Baptists, with Catholics, with Methodists, with Charismatics. And we even had some atheists that would just show up and just hang out and stick around and bring so much to the conversation and had this great relationship, right? Um, Jasmine and I became friends there at this Bible study. She wanted me so bad, she made me a mix CD and she gave it to me. At this at this Bible study, so that's a pro move. Um, she made me a mix CD, and uh, gosh, I hope man, kids these days they don't know what a good mixtape is or a mix CD. Jesus help them. But but we didn't have an agenda other than just to worship together and to pray together and to pray with each other and to help each other out and have these great discussions about Jesus. Have these great discussions about Jesus. And I made a habit of saying, Lord, lay down my agenda at your feet in worship. And I started to say that every time I'd go into worship. Lord, lay down my feet, or lay down my agenda at your feet. Whatever it is, Lord, that's going on in my life that I am holding up as an idol, an agenda that I'm holding up, I just want to lay down at your feet. It may be acceptable. It may be what you want to do. But I just want to bring everything to you first, Lord just want to bring everything to you and say, Lord, search my heart, make me pure, make me whole. And I started to come to the Lord almost almost completely empty every time so I didn't try to manipulate or pollute the purity of worship. And that's what I was really going for. So I'd literally just make it about who God is and how good God is. And that's where I would start. It's immediately where I'd start. And this started to change the way I would read the word of God and we would spend time with Jesus um, at this Bible study. I do believe we, we became more like him throughout this Bible study, but we 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 would just have we would just give him full permission to change us. And that's what we were committed to. Not the division amongst theology and all that stuff. We said, Lord, we're committed that you're gonna change us and make us more like you. And we gave each other full permission to allow Jesus to change us. And I like to think about the access that the disciples had around Jesus. I like to think about that access that they had around Jesus. What were they really like, though, before they met Jesus, right? What were they really like? Um, We know that some were fishermen. There was one that was a tax collector. But more importantly, we see that by spending time with Jesus, the disciples learned to worship God above all else. They learned to worship God above all else. They learned to love one another. They learned to be humble and to help those in need, to have mercy and not fear, and trust in Jesus. Most importantly, they learn to trust in Jesus. And even though we don't get to go fishing with Jesus, which would be pretty cool, we do get to still spend time with him and it's unlimited access. And as a result, he molds us and he forms us into becoming powerful people of patience, powerful people of love, powerful people of kindness and goodness and self-control and all these things. And we begin to see how our own life story fits into this bigger story of God's story and as we act in love and generosity towards others, we allow God to grow us in ways that makes us look more like him and grow his kingdom in ways that lets it look more like him too. I can't help but think of 1 Corinthians thirteen. Go ahead and put that up Alyssa. Very basic scripture that we read all the time at weddings and Zatch did a great job talking about during Advent. And it says this, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices where, whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. So these verses describe some of the many characteristics that we draw near to In God, These are some of the characteristics, like Jasmine was talking earlier about drawing near to God's characteristics. These are also the characteristics that we draw near to in people. And these are the qualities that make our relationships deeper and stronger. And it's able to withstand challenges. And that's why we want to be more like Jesus. That's one of the reasons why we want to be more like Jesus. The question I have for you this morning is, are you looking for the idols in your life that are keeping you from looking like Jesus Are you looking for the idols the idols in your life that are slowing you down a little bit Are you humble enough to allow Holy Spirit to point out the idols and once they are identified Are you the stubborn type that just says, nope, it's good, it's right, it's fine, it's holy, I can find scripture to justify it, boom. are you the type that says, Lord, I don't know, but if it's not of you, remove it. Begin to highlight that, and you give them that permission daily. And for some, it takes major steps, right? For some, it takes major steps. But rethinking what idols you have in your life Is so important to the transformation into becoming more like Christ. It's so important. And it's something that everybody falls for, including myself, still to this day. I still have to do that. Yeah, I had that great moment in 2003, 2004. Great moment. But still to this day, I'm not like cured from it, right? And still to this day, I have to say, Lord, is what I'm standing on your foundation? Or is it just my idols? Is it just my agenda? I still have to say that prayer every day. And it's time to disconnect from those things that we're just blind from and to separate ourselves from those things so we can move further and deeper into God's love for our world. Amen.